If you are better than the competition, marketing is the ultimate act of kindness. You are caring for customers who are choosing an inferior solution. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders, rewriting the rules of high performance at work. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast. Hey everybody, this is Jason Mark Campbell. Welcome back. Today I'm bringing a guest that's been on the show before and blew our minds when we talked about Fix This Next. We went through a lot of concepts that were so powerful for any entrepreneur out there and I was so blown away that I wanted to bring him back today to speak about his latest book who just came out, which is Get Different Marketing that can't be ignored. Now, a lot of us are aware of marketing. We see what's happening in the marketplace. We become numb. Like there's so many things that are happening, bombarded towards us, our attention is limited. So this book is gonna get us an idea of what needs to be done to be successful in marketing today. How is it different than before? And the man to do it is Mike Michalowicz. If you're not familiar with this man, he has written several books, launched three multi-million dollar companies before the age of 35. He's an entrepreneur, an author, a speaker, and has created the Profits First professional and organization that is designed to support accounts, bookkeepers, and other financial professionals to substantially differentiate themselves in the market, as well as the Provendus Group, a consulting firm to help coaching practices for coaching businesses. Several books have been released by this man, all tackling business aspects for entrepreneurs that want to grow, want to scale, and want to make an impact. And today, our focus is going to be marketing. Mike, welcome to the show. Jason, it is awesome to be with you, brother. Well, I'm excited to have you back. We had a lot of fun last time. We talked about, I called it the chakra system or Maslow's pyramid of needs for business about what are the things we need to fix as we grow the business and where are the priorities that need to sit. And now you've came up with a book around marketing. So I kind of want to kick it there. What got you inspired to see something happening in the world of marketing that wasn't done right, that made you feel like this book needed to happen? Yeah. I saw a small business and I started surveying audiences. This goes back seven years ago. That was the inception of the book. And that's pre-COVID. That's when things were live. And I was asking audiences what their primary source of leads were. Where are your leads? And hand after hand would go up saying, oh, I get 80% of my leads from client referrals or 100% from client referrals. And at first I was like, this is amazing. That's such an acknowledgement from your clients that you're exceptional. And then I said, oh my gosh, we are becoming dependent on our clients to be our marketing arm. What if those clients decide not to refer us business? And isn't our client feeling so impressed by us that they feel compelled to market us? Aren't they affirming we need to get the word out? And I also asked these businesses, well, tell me about your company. And they were telling me one after the other, I'm better than my competition in my response time or the quality of my work. They were better in some capacity. I said, wow, you're better and your clients are trying to market you. We need to get the word out. Marketing is the ultimate act of kindness. If you're superior, spread the word. And this is not about strong arming or manipulating clients. It's making prospects aware of what's available. And if you're a superior choice, at least make them aware so they can make an educated decision. That's why I wrote the book. That's why I felt it was so important to do it. And, and I spent those seven years to figure out what is the essence of effective marketing for small business. I mean, I can definitely relate to that. I mean, growing up, it's interesting. My father has a small family business. 
in the swimming pool retail space. And that was it. He would always say, yeah, word of mouth is all I need. I don't need to do anything else, but was doing some quality work. And I was the one always trying to push for marketing. And it was really hard. There's a big block when it comes to marketing, especially for small business owners that are like, yeah, if it's good, it's going to sell itself. And it's kind of like an old school mentality, is it? Or is it just like we have certain resistance around marketing? And how do we overcome that? There's an innate fear in all of us. Some of us are truly content with the size of our business. We don't want to change a thing. And I respect that. But the innate fear we have goes back to the cave dweller days. So if you rewind in human history, there was a time that you and I, Jason, may have been in the same tribe. And if you say to the tribe, we're going to go hunt a woolly mammoth. And I say, well, no, guys, I got a better idea. Let's go after a saber-toothed tiger. We're going this way. I am putting myself at massive risk. Because the tribe has to work collectively to get that woolly mammoth. The collaborative effort was king. And if someone rejected it, they were rejected from the tribe. You and the rest of the tribesmen would say, get out of here. And now I'm out in the tundra, which meant certain death. So there was a time in the human experience that being different, standing out, meant certain death. Now, fast forward to today, our reptilian mind still exists. And so there's this innate vibe that goes through us. When I say I need to stand out and market, there's this little vibe saying you're going to get rejected. It's embarrassing. You're going to die because we have that visceral feeling. So there's this weird bipolar thing. We know the only way to gain ground in modern society is to distinguish ourselves, to raise the flag so people can see us. So we have this past compulsion of not getting noticed and this current demand or desire to get noticed. So we want to be noticeable without being noticed. We want to stand out without having to stand out. That's what I see small businesses facing. And the way to overcome that fear is to realize that if you are better than the competition, that marketing is the ultimate act of kindness. You are caring for customers who are choosing an inferior solution. We can overcome that desire not to stand out because it means certain death to realize that it is actually the ultimate act of kindness to stand out. I love that. I really do. You know, some of the programming that comes to mind, I already have an automatic response, which is like the tallest blade of grass is the one that gets cut down, right? And yes, so right that's right. So you have like all these expressions we get told about, you know, being different, standing out that can make us feel a bit of that fear. And there's also this aspect if you're marketing and this might be because I've been exposed to so many ads online, but I'm sure it's been like this all the time. But there's a lot of instances where people may be over market or they're pushing themselves too much in their marketing where it shows that they may be trying too hard and there's almost like a non-association you want to have to these people that try too hard to be like i'm the best and it gets a bit annoying so is there like a fine line we need to travel so that we can be different without being that person that walks into a party and says oh hey everybody you should all know that i'm cool and so right. just come talk to me <laughs> yeah desperation is so unattractive that's the Second component, as I was studying what makes effective marketing, there's three components. One is differentiating, getting noticed. The second one was attracting, meaning getting noticed for the right reason. So I could have come to your podcast and dress like Bozo the Clown, and anyone watching the video be like, oh my God, that's so different. And then they'd be like, but he's a clown. And that can be repelling. That's the guy like, hey, I'm so cool, everyone meet me. That's repelling. What is attractive is when we speak the language of our target audience, the people we're trying to serve. If we have something that satisfies a need they have that is simply compelling or intriguing, if it's entertaining, if it's educational, as long as it speaks to the customer, they'll stay engaged. The second that wears off, 
they're going to lose their attention. The guy that walks in the room with a really unique suit is going to get noticed, but he better not be like, hey, I'm the cool guy here. He should say, hey, everyone, I brought everyone a gift or I got a six pack of beer to share or something like that. That now becomes attractive. And that's what our marketing message needs to do too. It needs to be of service in some capacity for people to stay engaged. And by the way, Jason, this happens in milliseconds. I was studying how our brain works and there's these elements called reticular formation and the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex and hypothalamus. They're all working in concert. And what happens is our brain can process information so quick. We give these things, I call them blink tests. Every one-tenth of a second, we're incrementally analyzing is this a value to me? Should I continue? Even this podcast, the person listening right now is saying, yeah, is this, am I getting value from this or should I hop on email? And maybe that's not a conscious thought, but subconsciously, am I still attracted? So when we do something different, we need to be noticed, but realize you only get attention for one-tenth of a second. We immediately say, hey, I got a six-pack for everyone. And that's going to satiate them for a period of time, but then at a certain point, that's going to wear off. How do you say attractive long enough to get to the final stage, which is direct? The key here with attraction is be attractive, but don't overextend your stay. we got to move rapidly. Hmm. I like that. And even this example of saying a six pack, it's like, yeah, you can get people's attention right there. But then once they come in, you give them beer and now you change it up. And this makes me think about, you know, a lot of us say like, hey, we should start with like a free offer to get people's attention. Yet when they come to you, then you're like bombarding them, maybe you're having that desperation that we talked about. So there's a lot more than just getting the attention. There's everything that happens once you have that attention. But I'd love to know, like from what you've done, your research and being different, are there some key things that you find are very successful for people to do in marketing so that they can get attention in today's market? Since I don't think we can always go around with six packs of beers, but I'm sure there's some key things (laughs) that we can do or that have been proven to be effective ways to show up. Well, the key is to first not do what the industry is doing. I remember the first Hey Friend email I got. I read through it. And within a second, I'm like, oh, this isn't a friend. This is marketing smarm. The next Hey Friend I got went in my spam box and every subsequent one has been deleted. So don't do what everyone else is doing is the first tip. The second tip is we can take ideas from other industries. So if I'm targeting one community, here, I'll give you an example. I'm an author. My contemporaries are authors. They all email in black and white text. It's like, okay, there's what's not to do. Don't do a blast in black and white text because it's invisible or habituated. Some people will see it, but people get so many of them, it's going into the spam box. So I said, well, black versus white. Why don't I just put white text on a white background? You can't even read it then. And I'm like, oh, this is the opportunity. I sent out an email in the promotion of my new book that said, in black text, it said, you've received the first ever Invisible Ink email click and drag below to reveal the message. And when you drag over white text, it pops. And that email, the open rate skyrocketed. The engagement was the big part. People, I think we had five times the click-through rate. And it wasn't like the message was different. The way it was delivered was different. It was attractive because it was something you hadn't seen before, but also it hearkened into curiosity. It's like, what could this message be? It spoke back to when we were children and played games of passing messages and so forth. So that's a very compelling, curiosity-invoking type thing. And then when people opened it, it revealed a real simple direct, meaning what's the action take, the call to action. It said, now you've read this, you've learned one tips of thousands that are available, go to my website to get the rest of the tips. So we can take ideas that exist and then do the opposite. There's many strategies I have, but one that comes to the top of mind is to do some R&D on other marketing. And I mean, rip off and duplicate. 
look at other people's marketing and say, oh, that's a good idea. I'm in New Jersey. There was a bank based out of New Jersey called Commerce Bank that sold for $1 billion. It's the fastest growing bank locally of all time. And what the owner did, this is back in the 70s, but what he did is he noticed that banks were all the same. They had what's called banker's hours. They would close in the afternoons. They weren't open on weekends. He looked at a McDonald's and he took the idea from a fast food restaurant. He said, well, first of all, we're going to have hours like them. But he took their best marketing idea. He noticed that McDonald's with the Happy Meals draw a lot of attention. You know, kids are pulling on their mom or dad's pant legs saying, I want to go to McDonald's to get that little toy. So as banks, he observed who were the people who was going to the bank with the parent driving. Well, it wasn't the kid. It was during the day. It was with the family dog. So mom or dad were now pulling up with the family dog. And he said, oh, we're not going to have a happy meal. We're going to have biscuits, happy biscuits. And so you would pull into a commerce bank. And when you got your receipt, there'd be a biscuit for your dog. Well, it resulted in a Pavlonian effect, meaning there was minivans driving by a commerce bank and these dogs were salivating and barking to go to the bank. It's like the ultimate marketing idea. He took an idea from someone else and he was the first employee in his industry. It resulted in a billion dollars. I can't promise a billion dollar valuation, but I can promise game-changing marketing if you introduce something into your industry that no one's doing in your industry, but someone else is doing elsewhere. I love that idea because you don't need to necessarily reinvent the wheel, yet you can be so unique in your industry of doing it because some of those industries are so much more evolved than the one that we might be operating in. I remember for me, when I was supporting marketing at the family business, I went and looked at what realtors were doing because they were much more sophisticated in sales and marketing because the competition's really high. And in the swimming pool business, it's not as high. So I would take, how do they do their sales? How do they optimize their processes in real estate? And then I applied that and it made it so much more effective, so much more efficient. And then you basically were what? Showing up with, so usually of a violent example of saying showing up with a gun at a knife fight, but I'm going to say showing up at a cake at a tea party, you know, just bringing <laughs> a lot of life, that, you know? yeah. yeah. But that being said, would you say there are certain industries, you mentioned McDonald's being a really good one. Are there certain industries that you think, wow, these are the ones you should be looking at if I'm looking for inspiration in doing R&D for marketing? Yeah, it's interesting. It's anyone who's not in your industry. So the less like your industry, the better. I'm an author. I went to a cleaning conference. I happened to be speaking there, so it was a great invite. But I attended the entire conference. And I remember one of the experts that came up in the cleaning industry is for cleaning products said to the audience, he goes, if you put an 800 number on the back of your cleaning product, studies show that you get a 10% increase in sales because people call the 800 number to say it's a pre-recorded message, they're evaluating your product, and you can actually sell them through the pre-recorded message. So I was like, oh my gosh. So on the next book I wrote, it was called The Pumpkin Plan, I put an 800 number on the back with a pre-recorded message. This is before Amazon was really popular and Barnes & Nobles was still bringing a lot of business. And sure enough, 10% increase in sales. And I think I was the first author to do something like that. So the key for all of us is get outside your industry as far out as possible. You know, if you're selling pools, the spa guy, you know, who's selling hot tubs and stuff, probably not going to introduce you to brand new stuff. But the guy who does lawn maintenance, probably better. Someone who's selling Campbell's soup or something, probably better. Look that far outside your industry and you'll discover ideas that you can bring into yours. 
I love it. And so while you went out and you started doing this marketing, you talked about this email. Now, if I get a ton of emails from the listeners here that are going to be on white background, white text, I'm going to have a confirmation of who listened to this right now. But this is going to be an interesting one because <laughs> this is a saying that I've heard, which is about marketers, right? And they said, every platform is good until the marketers come and ruin it. What they mean by that is like, you'll go to Facebook, everything's great. Then marketers start advertising, start marketing. And you're talking really about people that haven't paid attention to make their message relevant. It's almost like instead of being so precise in delivery, they're just spaghetti on the wall. You know, they're just plastering it everywhere. And now it's making us more numb to that platform, more numb to the messages. And so is there something that we should be conscious about the way we market so that we don't be that type of marketer that ruins it for everyone? Yeah, for sure. You know, that phenomenon happens. You see it repeat over and over again because what's happening is there's a congregation point being established. That's a communal point where there's a lot of people sharing information. And so this happens at the local clubs, but it happens online now on a mass basis. The first marketer in there is going to be wildly successful because this community hasn't been marketed to. There's some low-hanging fruit, people in the right place at the right time. So that marketer's going to be like, oh my God, I've struck gold. That's when the gold rush kicks in. And then you have this swarm come in and get saturated. Now it's an assault. I'm not sharing. I'm being beaten to death. And they abandon it. It's just the human pattern. It's going to repeat on into perpetuity. But if you find a small community that's not saturated and you go in there in a way that is attractive community, which means it respects their language, it respects their interests, it respects their culture, and every community has that, and positions yourself as of service, then you'll be wildly successful. It's businesses that say, I don't care about you, here's what you need to buy from me, that fail. It's the businesses say, I care about you, I think I may be able to serve you, but tell me more, are the ones who are engaging. And honestly, you can carve out smaller communities even on these mega platforms. So Facebook is getting assaulted, but can you serve a small community of people that might be interested in what you do just by being of service to them, just for caring for them, for engaging them, and doing what's in their best interest? And if you do that, you will start to build a reputation of not being that smarmy marketer guy that just swarms. Yeah. I mean, the example of Facebook can just publicly posting things and running ads to anybody, you can do a lot more targeting. And you have a lot of people that have moved into industry specific groups and topic specific groups, which are places that you can be of service, your message can be relevant, which would be one idea. Do you have any platforms right now that you find are exciting and places to look for interesting, call them what blue ocean areas that are very interesting for people to explore? Yeah, and for sure. And these won't be what you expect. So it's not the social media outlets per se. What it is, is a process to find the platforms. Here's what you do. Go to your existing best customers, the ones you want to clone, the ones that you like the most, and invest time with them to interview them. You know, take them out to lunch if you can, especially nowadays. Like, that's a rarity. But get access to them and say, hey, I'd love to serve you better. Where do you learn more? Where do you engage with people like you? And what you'll find is, in my first business, I served hedge funds, and I did this process. The hedge fund guy said, I go to two conferences a year. They're specific to hedge funds. I didn't know they existed. This is pre-podcast. He said, there's a subscription to this newsletter that we subscribe to that all hedge funds follow. And what I realized is there was, I call them congregation points. There was four or five congregation points. I then started marketing in all those five touches. I started writing articles for this magazine. I appeared at two conferences. And it didn't take much time. It was only about five areas I needed to be. But an interesting phenomenon happens. When you start marketing on all the platforms that your best customers are going to, they believe you're everywhere. 
So I'd have prospects come to me and say, I see you everywhere. Like you're the main force. Everyone knows about you. Well, I wasn't everywhere. I was just everywhere that they went. And you become a dominant force. It's a form of niche marketing. So the best platform is the platforms where your customers consuming knowledge and sharing knowledge. Insert yourself wherever those are. It may be physical, it may be virtual, but insert yourself there and you will be perceived as the authority, hands down. I love it. And at the same time, it's almost like when you start understanding the customer so much, even your message, the way you communicate to them is going to be so much more relevant because you know what their pain points are and you've taken the time to study them. Why do you think we don't take that time? Like every time I think about marketing, every time I think about sales, the number one thing I recommend is always like have more conversations with, you know, the potential customer or your past customer. And it seems like even once you've been running your business for a while, this seems like an activity that's not part of the regular habits. Why? Yeah. So we have a bias in our own opinion. This is human nature. So when I'm considering a prospect and I say, you know what? I think they want more of X. Then I'm like, of course they want more of X. It's a one-sided conversation with myself and I'm affirming myself. And it's real easy. I can make a decision on what's the best interest of my prospect in marketing or in service within seconds, just by having a conversation with myself. It's unabashedly wrong, but I can do it. So the smart businesses will survey their customers, speak with their customers, engage their customers, and look for what I call common threads. Asking one customer is perhaps just as risky as just asking yourself because we get a data set of one. I remember uh, in one of my businesses, my, my partner and I were talking about how we're doing. He says, the things are exploding. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, we're taking off. I'm like, why are you saying that? He's like, well, we had us call this customer. They put down a deposit. They love us. I was like, okay, that's one customer. What else is going on? It's like, well, that's it. It was, it's a data set of one. And a data set of one can put extreme bias into seeing something a certain way. And I'm guilty of this. I brought to the cognizant level that if I hear something from one person, that's just one person. I want to hear at least from a set of 10 or 20 people. In fact, when I was writing Get Different, I found that the minimum viable set to get real good data in any group is at least 100 samples. So if I have a 5,000 prospects, I got to at least talk with a hundred existing clients to get a sense for what the common thread is to market to them. Now, I was talking to statisticians and so forth. The ultimate set is 10% of the total viable market. So if I have 5,000 prospects, 500, that's a sample of 500, will give me the most accurate indicator of how things will go forward. But minimally, to get at least a sense of the direction we're headed in, you got to sample 100. That's the key to effective marketing is to ask customers, but don't just ask a few, ask enough until we have a viable data set. Beautiful. Mike, if I go back on what we talk about so far is, you know, we've acknowledged that marketing needs to happen. It's the ultimate form of kindness, because if you have something that's superior and you have a great product, you have the duty to bring it to the most people possible. We talk about the act of being different is actually a way of standing out so we can get attention, yet you don't necessarily want to stand out like a clown. You want to do it in a way that is classy and appropriate as well. We talked about the medium, the platforms. You can try to do something that's different than what everybody else is doing and taking for granted. And I love the example of the email, something that gets people's curiosity, being something that really can get the hook and then showing up with a kind of an attitude of giving. So not going everybody, hey, I'm cool here, but rather like, hey, I have something to offer, something to give, and then being consistent on the delivery throughout. We talked a lot now about how we need to make sure we have conversations with the people so we get more clear on what are their core needs, where are they spending their time, what is the audience and the environment that they are so when we market, we can be very precise in where we are so we're not just a loudspeaker in an empty room, we're really being a whisper in the most relevant room that really gets the right people to come to us 
us and then we can start translating that into more and more effective marketing this is effective this is the best stuff and i'm super excited that you've put this together so thank you so much i wanted to ask you as well like is there anything that makes you excited about the future of marketing and what are you seeing as far as people taking your book and adopting these practices how are we going to be able to market differently yeah i think there's an opportunity for small business to reinvigorate itself I think small business has taken a lot of punches and the COVID pandemic was one to the gut, particularly the retail outlets and so forth. We see these juggernaut companies cruising forward and these small companies that focused on the tactile experience, the personal interface, like you know, connecting with people got punched. But I don't think we're down and out for the count. I think small business can rally through effective marketing because we inherently are different. We're not these juggernauts. We do care more for our customers. We are more engaged. And if we lean into marketing that garners that attention and allow people to experience us, I think we can win back a lot of business. This is kind of my final thought around that is no one knows your business. No one has any experience with your business until they experience your business. Therefore, the only experience they have with your business until they experience your business is the experience of marketing. Marketing is all they know about you until the day they have a transaction. That's how imperative marketing is. I love that quote. And I think it's something that people should absorb with the fact that this is what you're doing you to put your best foot forward before anybody gets a chance to really get a taste of the amazing product you've put together. And so I hope everybody that's listening is inspired to take marketing seriously, do it boldly and do it with an ultimate act of kindness as the kind of ethos as to why you're doing it. And you'll see your market, your business is going to grow. You're going to have some more happy customers and you'll be a thriving business in the process. If you're curious to pick up a copy of Get Different Marketing, that can't be ignored. I am going to put a link in the show notes as well as to much more material on Mike's website where you can do some assessments, some more research around your business, tons of books that solve your specific needs. Mike is a powerhouse author. So happy to have you here, Mike, to share the message and congratulations on the new book. This was a fantastic conversation as well. Jason, thank you, brother. I appreciate you tremendously. Once again, everybody, thanks for tuning in to Superhumans at Work. I'm very grateful for all of you who tune in on a regular basis, listening to these amazing interviews with these guests that I get to find. Now, if you're subscribed to the show, definitely leave us a review if you can and share it with friends so that we can spread the message and get more people to be able to learn of these fantastic ideas that they can bring in their everyday life. And these episodes, of course, are brought to you by Mindvalley. When you go to mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman, you get to discover the transformational education that we get to deliver where we bring the best technology, the best teachers, and ensure that it teaches you what leads to a truly incredible life. Thanks again for tuning in and watching the show. And until next time, stay superhuman. My name is Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mindvalley podcast.